Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. It's wonderful to see everybody again. I think Phil, I've been traveling for a few weeks and it's been a while since we've been here. Uh, wonderful to be back. Greetings from our brethren in Ottawa. Uh, on the way back from Ottawa, we stopped at a gas station, and I was filling up the tank. And, and while I was filling up the tank, I had this advertisement right in front of me. And I'm looking at this ad, and I know something is up. I, I can't quite work it out, but I know there's something up. This is the ad. Well, this is, it, was, it was an ad for Monster. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, I know there's something here. I don't know what it is, so I'm trying to see, is it? You know, sometimes like the FedEx logo, it's, it's, the, it's the white space that the message is in. You see the arrow in the FedEx logo. So I'm wondering, is it in the black space that the message is? I wasn't sure what the message was. So I did a bit of research, and it's surprising what I found. I, don't, I, I see Lisa's uh, familiar with it. Those claw marks are separated, and they're actually the Hebrew letter the sixth letter, I think it's Vav. And so the sixth letter is repeated three times. And so the message is actually 666. And then part of the ad says, unleash the beast. So I was just kind of blown. I knew there was something there. I didn't know what it was. And, And I know that big business is not as philanthropic, as they may want, to, may want to appear. And so this is very interesting. It's 666 in Hebrew. What's also interesting is the claw mark is also the sixth numeral in Arabic. So whether you're looking at it in Hebrew or in Arabic, it is 666. So I found that interesting because I've been trying to answer this question why is Islam gaining such a foothold in the West when it is clearly so dangerous? And, and it can be stopped. The American empire is powerful enough to put a stop to this right now. It, it's going to reach a point where it's too late, but it's not too late now. And yet, rather than put an end to it, something that is so incredibly dangerous. It, it's, it's, I, I can't quite wrap my mind around the threat, how dangerous it is. Rather than put a stop to it, it's being encouraged. It's being helped. So I'm trying to answer this question, why? Well, part of the answer comes down to the Freemasons. And I think most of you are familiar with this logo, which is the compass and the square. And the Masons obviously were builders. The Freemasons were not indentured to anybody. They were free, and the G in the middle stands for the Grand Architect, their God, which they would want us to believe is Yahweh, but it is not. The Freemasons built the American Empire. That's clear, and if you look in history, you'll see that. What most people don't know is that Freemasons... Your neighbor could be a Freemason. 
but there are 32 degrees, 33 degrees of Freemasonry. And the lower degrees are completely benign. But there are rituals and initiations to move up in rank. And it is the higher degrees where Freemasonry, what, for what it really is, becomes known. Interestingly, the entertainment industry is completely governed by the Freemasons. And all of these, you'll see all of these stars, and it's interesting they're called stars, but you'll see all of these stars doing Freemason or Illuminati symbolism. So all of them here are showing the eye of Horus, which is an Egyptian god, god of the sun. All of them are showing the pyramid, the eye of Horus in some way. Uh, this, I think this is Lady Gaga, actually showing uh, 666. So the, the circle and the finger, each one is a six. So this is a symbol for 666. So the entertainment industry is completely governed by the Illuminati. These are the highest rank Freemasons. And they're really just tools to control the population and distract the population. But the Freemasons, the Illuminati, actually own everything. Banking, government, industry, entertainment is just a tool. And anybody who is a star basically has sold their soul. It's a trade. We'll make you famous, but you have to be processed. And you can see here Rihanna my question to you would be, how does a young girl like this end up like that? And every single star gets processed the same way. And when I say processed, I mean processed. So in Hollywood, pedophilia is out of control. It's kind of like Hollywood's dirty secret. All of the major elites in Hollywood are pedophiles. And they're constantly looking for more victims. And for you to accept stardom, you have to be processed. That processing shatters the mind. When, when we go through trauma, in order to cope, what we do is we, the brain takes that trauma and tucks it away. And that part of the brain shuts down. If you go through enough trauma, your brain gets compartmentalized into all of these sections that have been shut down. And the conscious mind, in a sense, ceases to function. And you become, you become uh, more subconscious. You're driven by your subconscious. The subconscious mind is highly suggestive. So our conscious mind gives instructions to the subconscious, and then we do the things we do, sometimes not realizing why we're making the decisions we're making, but the subconscious is actually carrying out the will of the conscious. If your conscious mind is shattered, then you're easily controlled. So when you see these stars performing on stage, uh, Beyonce, as an example, who has been processed, will say, if you watch her interviews, she'll say when she performs, it's not her performing. It's Sasha Fierce is who performs. So she acknowledges that she gets possessed by another power, and that's who's performing. And she's actually quite a reserved person, but when Sasha Fierce takes over, then she does all these kind of bizarre movements, which the Illuminati, who are the puppeteers, want her to do in order to process society. 
So we are all being controlled and programmed by entertainment industry who are controlled by the Illuminati who really don't care about the entertainment industry. They have another agenda. At the top of the Freemason hierarchy, 32 degrees, at the top, the 33rd degree, is the ancient order of the noble mystic shrine. The ancient order of the noble mystic shrine, otherwise known as the Shriners. And I think everybody's familiar with the Shriners. You'll see the, the Fez hat, the red hat. And what you'll also notice, actually, let's go here to Revelation 3. And verse 8. I want to just wrap up a little bit on this, and then I want to talk to us about how we respond to this threat. But let's first understand, uh, put a, a bit of a fine point on the threat. Revelation 3 and verse 8 says, I know your works, speaking to the faithful church in Philadelphia. Behold, I've set before you an open door, and no man can shut it. So when God opens a door, nobody can shut it. Because you have a little strength, so we're not, the, the church is not powerful. We have a little strength. And you've kept my word. That's what God wants. We're faithful. And you've not denied my name. In the face of this opposition, we've not denied his name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan. So that's interesting. Satan actually has a synagogue. So God has a church. Satan has a church. And this is really important for us to understand that Satan is a master counterfeiter. I've been really, really puzzled as I've been doing this research. Nothing is new. Nothing is new. This, all, of, all of what we're facing goes back thousands of years to the worship of Baal and Nimrod. And I'm wondering, you know, last time I checked the calendar, it was 2015, the modern era. Why are we still worshipping Horus, the Eye of Horus? This goes back 5,000 years. This is 2015. And then I got the answer. The answer is, we see it here, there's a synagogue of Satan. What this tells us is that Satan is not a creator. Satan cannot create. He's a counterfeiter. He has no new ideas. He cannot create anything. He's a destroyer and a counterfeiter. So back in the day with Nimrod, Nimrod established false worship. That was Satan's one big idea. And it was, this is his idea. There will be a son born of a woman, and that son will rule the whole world. That is Satan's big idea. Doesn't it sound familiar? That's the big, he, he did not know how much time he would have. He did not know. All he knows is God created man in his image, and man is to rule under God. And he wants to destroy man. He knows that God is going to send Christ as the son of a woman to rule the whole world. So rather than come up with his own idea, that's his big idea, to counterfeit. 
And so it's no surprise if thousands of years later we're still carrying out the big idea, which is to worship this false god who is a counterfeit of Christ. So it says here that there is, there's, a, there's a church of Satan which says that they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. It's very interesting that at the top of this hierarchy are Jews. Freemasonry, its history is with the Rothschild family. The Rothschilds are Jews. They were very clever Jews in that they set up a banking system to make sure that their wealth could never be taken away because their ancestors would create wealth and then have it taken away from them. So the Rothschilds were the ones who set up this international banking system to make sure that their wealth could never be taken away. And they became extremely powerful. And this organization is extremely powerful. It is all over the world. It's an international organization. And its agenda is to rule the world. Nothing new. It is the Nimrod agenda. So this organization has the Nimrod agenda. That we want one world government, one language, one people, worshipping one God. That's what this is. And at the top are many Jews who are running this. Again, it's the, the banking industry, the Rothschild family. They say they're Jews. They're not. The Shriners, this is their symbol. So when you get all the way through to the 33rd degree, you become part of the ancient order of the mystic noble shrine. You get your hat, you get the, 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 the crest. The hat is a fez, and it says on it, Muslim. It has the crescent moon and the star. This is the 33rd degree Mason. This is the oath that you swear when you become a Shriner. I do hereby, upon this Bible, and there's a Bible there, but in front of the Bible is the Koran. So I do hereby, upon this Bible, and on the mysterious legend of the Koran, and its dedication to the Mohammedan faith, promise and swear and vow that I will never reveal any secret part or portion whatsoever of the ceremonies, and now upon this sacred book, the Koran, by the sincerity of a Muslim's oath, I here register this irrevocable vow. So you can play Christian at the bottom of Freemasonry, but when you get to the top, you declare your faith in Islam. In willful violation of this oath, whereof may I incur the fearful penalty of having my eyeballs pierced to the center with a three-edged blade, my feet flayed, and I be forced to walk the hot sands upon the sterile shores of the Red Sea until the flaming sun shall strike me with livid plague. And may Allah, 33rd degree Mason, you're a shriner, you're in the ancient order, may Allah, the God of Arab, Muslim, and Mohammedan, the God of our fathers, Support me to the entire fulfillment of the same. Amen, amen, amen. Brother.
So what, what, how, what's going on here? Like I said, I've been scratching my head saying, why are we allowing Islam to come into North America when it is so dangerous? Many, many people are going to be tortured and slaughtered, Christians in particular, Christians, Jews, and atheists. These will be expunged by Islam all over the world. And we could stop it right now. But we're encouraging it. And now I get to see that the most powerful people in the world and in North America worship Allah, the God of their fathers. They swear on the Quran. They swear on the Mohammedan faith. And remember, this is a faith that anything goes. In, in the cause of jihad, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to pray five times a day. You don't have to wear burqa. You don't have to abstain from alcohol. You don't have to abstain from sexual immorality. You can do anything as long as it furthers the cause of Islam. So, we don't know who a Muslim is. The most powerful people in our nation and in the nation south of us and around the world are Shriners. Ancient order of the noble mystic shrine. Hitler himself said this, the only religion, ostensibly a Roman Catholic, the only religion I respect is Islam. The only prophet I admire is the prophet Muhammad. I thought he was a Roman Catholic. The Pope, John Paul, kissing the Koran. When you know what's in the Koran, and you call yourself a Christian, how do you come to kiss it? Unless, again, the most powerful people on the planet are Shriners. What they call the Illuminati, the Illumined Ones. The Illuminati, which is the top tier of the Freemason movement, this gentleman, General Albert Pike, in a sense defined modern Freemasonry. He was pivotal in its development. And he says this in his doctrine. That which we must say to the crowd, so the message to the crowd is, we worship a god, but it is the god that one adores without superstition. To you, now he's talking to his sovereign grand inspector general, we say this, that you may repeat it to the brethren of the 32nd, 31st, and 30th degrees. So the 33rd degree is the Shriners, and then from the 30th up, you can tell them these things. The Masonic religion should be, by all of us initiates of the high degrees, maintained in the purity of the Luciferian doctrine. So at the highest levels, they worship Lucifer. If Lucifer were not God, would Jesus culminate, spread false and harmful statements about him? Yes, Lucifer is God. This is at the top, the 33rd degree. This is the definer of modern Freemasonry. He goes on to say this in a letter written on August 15, 1871. What you need to realize is when you become a Freemason, the plan that you execute was developed hundreds of years ago. And you just roll in and help execute this plan. So the plan, the, the Nimrod agenda, 
is one that they did not expect to achieve overnight. They knew that it would take hundreds of years. So they laid it down to be carried out hundreds of years hence. So they'll die and go. Others will be born and come in. But once they go through the initiation and come up to 33rd degree, the plan that they're executing was developed hundreds of years ago. In 1871, Albert Pike wrote this. There should be three world wars. The first world war must be brought about in order to permit the Illuminati to overthrow the power of the Tsars in Russia. The second world war must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences between the fascists and the political Zionists. This war must be brought about so that Nazism is destroyed and the political Zionism is strong enough to institute a sovereign state of Israel in Palestine. So when Israel was announced a nation, this was the Illuminati carrying out an agenda that was written previously. He goes on to say this. The Third World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences caused by the agenter of the Illuminati between political Zionists and the leaders of the Islamic world. Written in 1871, the Illuminati are the most powerful people on the planet, and they're playing a chess game. And they're saying, we now need to bring about a third world war by this conflict between political Zionists and, and Muslims. 1871, this was written. Interestingly, let's go to Revelation 13. Revelation 13. Revelation 13 and verse 1, we see this beast. In verse 3, we see that it was wounded, but its deadly wound was healed. So some empire that collapses but then comes back. Which I personally believe, this is prophecy, so we, don't, we see through a glass darkly. I think this is speaking of the Ottoman Empire, which collapsed and now is on its way back. And verse 4, they worshipped the dragon, which gave power to the beast, Satan, gave power to the beast. And they worshipped the beast. So they worshipped the dragon and they worshipped the beast, saying... Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So this is a war machine. This is a war machine that cannot be stopped. And again, we look at the jihadist approach to war, where we just keep having these children, and we just keep throwing them into suicide missions. And, and we're not afraid of dying. And everyone else is afraid of dying, so they back down. Who is able to make war with this machine? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given to him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. So he's got a doctrine that focuses on the saints. It's a doctrine that if you're a Christian or a Jew, 
the mighty or the holy people, he's got a doctrine that's coming for you. It's given unto him to make war with the saints. And to overcome them. And power, he has a doctrine that gives him power over all kindreds and tongues and nations. It's a worldwide agenda. He's got a doctrine that covers the whole world. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the, ear, of, of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. And then it says, here's the patience of the saints. And then there's another beast, verse 11. Another beast comes out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, so he looks like a lamb. So this, to me, is more like Christianity now. This, perhaps, another beast is the Roman Catholic Church. And he, but he speaks like a dragon. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him. And he causes the earth and them that dwell in the earth to worship the first beast. So you look at this Illuminati agenda, and we see at the highest levels, they're Jews, they're Catholics, they're Muslims. But they all worship Allah. They present themselves as Jews. They present themselves as Christians. But their God is Lucifer, and their God is Allah. And so this beast gives, gives uh, direction to worship the first beast. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. This Ottoman Empire coming back. And he does great wonders so that he makes fire come down from heaven on earth. So this pope has miraculous power in the sight of men and deceives them that dwell on the earth by means of those. And we talk about Chrislam, this kind of merging of Christianity and Islam. I think we're seeing it here. And deceives them that dwell on the earth by those miracles that he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he gave power to give life unto the image of the beast. The image of the beast should both speak. And there is in the Islamic traditions that the Kaaba stone will speak in the end time. And everybody is bowing down and worshiping that image just the way they did Diana's image in Ephesus, should both speak and cause many that should worship the image of the beast should be killed, that who would not worship would be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads that no man should buy or sell except he had that mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. So that's where we get the six, six, six. If you look at the Greek alphabet that John would be familiar with, where he says six, 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 he's actually saying the letters Greek alphabet is sigma, ski, key, sorry, si, key. So there's the three Greek alphabets. Interestingly, in Arabic, it looks a lot like Bismillah. So the question is, was John seeing something that because he's Greek, he's actually interpreting it as Greek letters, when in fact he was seeing these Arabic letters? 
So sigma is 6, the unit 6, ki is 60, and ki is 600. So together this is 666, and this is what Muslims wear on their forehead. So was John seeing this image to say this is what he saw? The Islamic emblem of the crescent moon and star is no, nothing new. This goes back to Baal worship. The moon rep- representing Semiramis's womb and the sun representing Nimrod. So sun and moon worship. And this is now, we see this throughout the generation, even in Egypt. You see the, the, bull, the bull's horns were also representative of the moon, with the disc in the middle being the sun. Nothing new. Nothing new. So this, this concept of having one people worshipping one image, working together, this, this is the agenda. It's thousands of years old. The Illuminati are carrying out this agenda now. And they're using Islam as the means to unite all people in all languages all over the earth to worship Allah, to worship their God. So, what, how should we respond to this threat? This is real. I wish I could say that, you know, we're in, we're in Canada. It's okay. It's not going to affect us. It's here. It's here. Mark my word, the next decade is not going to be pretty. And we're going to hear Islam over and over and over again in the news. It's here. How should we respond? Okay. Scripture makes it clear. No matter what, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is the Creator. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let us, let us profess this and let us hold fast our profession without wavering. Never waver. For he is faithful, that promised. And in addition to that, in addition to establishing ourselves in the faith, let us consider one another. To provoke unto love and to good works. How do we respond to the hatred that Islam and the Koran are propagating. Does that look like love to you? It doesn't to me. But what I want to say in today's message, brethren, is that image that you see represents a language. And the language is not Arabic. This language transcends culture. It transcends race. It's universal. And it's a language that we call attitude. That is the language of the devil. His vocabulary is made up of attitudes. And this attitude here is not much different than this attitude here. It's just which attitudes are we going to allow ourselves to be governed by? Because that's how Satan works. He works through the heart, through attitudes. How do we feel about each other? 
how do we feel about Muslims? Because I'll say this, brethren, I hope and pray that I'm not responsible for generating an attitude of hatred toward Muslims. If I stand before God right now and say, I love Muslims, I have nothing against Muslims. I hate Islam. Islam is evil. Islam needs to be expunged from the earth. But so does hatred. And if we hate Muslims, we're no better than them. Muslims are beautiful people. Muslims have qualities that we wish we had. Muslims are not the problem. Islam is the problem. Brethren, go to Genesis. Genesis 17. Genesis 17 and verse 20. God says to Abraham, Abraham had a son called Ishmael. We know this. Firstborn biological son. But he was not the son of promise. So he had another son, Isaac. But Abraham cared for Ishmael. Abraham prayed for Ishmael. And then God responded to the prayer. Genesis 17, verse 20 says, And as for Ishmael, don't ask me anything about him because he's not the child of promise. That's not what God said. God said, okay, Abraham, you're praying praying for Ishmael. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. I accept your prayer. Behold, I have blessed him. Ishmael is blessed. Whom God blesses, no one can curse. There's a blessing on Ishmael. Get over it. There's a blessing on Ishmael. Be careful that we're not developing hatred towards Abraham's descendants. God prayed for, Abraham prayed to God for Ishmael. And God said, I've heard you. I've blessed him. Be sure, brethren, please, that we're not developing hatred towards Muslims. Hatred does not come from God. As for Ishmael, I've blessed him, and I will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. I haven't just blessed him a little bit. I've blessed him a lot. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac. So the covenant is with Isaac, but most certainly there is a phenomenal blessing on Ishmael. Most certainly. Genesis 9. Genesis 9. Verse 24. Noah awoke from his wine, and he knew what his younger son had done to him. I don't know what it is. Something happened. There's a father and son relationship. There should be a respect between father and son. Something disrespectful happened. I wasn't there. But something that happened, something happened that shouldn't have. Notice verse 25. This is Ham. Ham did the thing that was disrespectful. But Noah said, Cursed be Canaan, or Canaan, 
Not cursed be Ham. Something happened between a father and a son. And then the father cursed Ham's son. So it has something to do with the father-son relationship that was violated. And as a result of that, the penalty was Ham's son. Not Ham, his son. Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. But blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Now, I don't know exactly what this curse is. But what I do know is it says, Cursed be Canaan. Be careful, brethren, that we're not cursing Ishmael when the Bible says no such thing. The Bible says, as for Ishmael, I've heard you. And I will exceedingly bless him. If Ishmael is the cause of terror on Israel, that's not Ishmael's fault. That's Israel's fault. So the terror that we're facing, we've brought it on ourselves. God says to Habakkuk, or Habakkuk says to God, I realize you've ordained the Chaldeans for judgment. And you've established them for correction. So the Chaldeans were this bitter and hasty nation. And Habakkuk realized God has ordained them for judgment. And God has ordained Ishmael and the wealth of Ishmael for the judgment of Israel. Ishmael's wealth is financing terrorism all over the world. But it wouldn't be a terror if Israel was faithful. Cursed be Canaan. And I don't know exactly what this curse is, but I know that Canaan is cursed. Now, why do I say that? Go to Genesis 28. Genesis 28 and verse 6. Esau is looking for a wife. And in verse 6 it says, When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob, so the blessing went to Jacob, not to him, and sent Jacob away to Padan Aram to take him a wife from there, and that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge saying, you shall not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. So Esau sees this. He's the one that gave up the blessing. He wants it back. He's pleading with his father, please bless me in some way. He's hoping to get it back. And he notices that as his father blesses Jacob, he advises him, don't take a daughter of Canaan. Isaac and Esau were close. Esau wasn't very close to his mother, but he was close to his father. Jacob was, you heard in the study, Jacob was close to the mother. So Isaac and Esau have a very close, loving relationship. He wants the blessing from Isaac, and Isaac wants to give him the blessing, but he can't. The blessing has gone to Jacob. When he sees that, in verse 7, that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and went to Padan Aram to look for a wife there, Verse 8, Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan did not please his father, what did he do? He went to Ishmael. He went to Ishmael instead. He's close to his father. They have a very tight, loving relationship. He sees that the daughters of Canaan upset his father, and Jacob's not to marry them. So he doesn't go to Canaan. He goes to a child of Abraham. Ishmael is blessed 
Abraham caused Ishmael to be blessed. And so he goes to Ishmael. Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, he went to Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son. The children of Canaan don't please his father, so he chooses from the lineage of Abraham, the sister of Nebath, to be his wife. Again, he's hoping to win back the blessing. Later on, when his father dies, he has no problem marrying the, the daughters of Canaan. But at this time, he chooses from Ishmael because she's Abraham's descendant. We can develop, brethren, a racist attitude. It's not beyond us. And it's easy to just sort of develop a hatred for Muslims who are primarily Arabic. And that's not Christian. That's not Christian. We don't bless anybody. We don't curse anybody that God blesses. And God has blessed Ishmael. Look at Deuteronomy 7. And beginning in verse 1. When the Lord your God shall bring you into the land where you go to possess it, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when your Lord shall deliver them before you, you shall smite them and utterly destroy them. Don't leave anybody. This is like completely wipe them out. And we know that this is purging the the land to establish a righteous people in order to bless the whole world. And these, these people, in fact, will be resurrected. You shall make no agreement with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shall you make marriages with them. Your daughter you shall not give unto his son, nor his daughter shall you take unto your son. We have been taught, those of us who've been in the church some time, that this is a racist, that this is a racial, I said racist, actually it was racist, but that is a racial policy. That you mustn't, you know, white people mustn't marry black people, black people mustn't marry white people, etc. That's not what this is saying. That's not what this is saying. This doesn't say, don't marry the sons of Ham, or the children, or the daughters of Ham. The Canaanites are definitely mentioned by name. Seven nations are mentioned by name. Egypt is not mentioned. Egypt is not mentioned. There is no sin in marrying an Egyptian. But if you marry these seven nations where the instruction was to completely destroy them, that is going against the word of God. Drop down to verse 21. Sorry, uh, let's go to chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21. So those are the seven nations that they are not to marry, and they're just to expunge the land from, with those people. Deuteronomy 21, we come to in verse 10. When you go to war against your enemies, 
And the Lord your God has delivered them into your hands, and you have taken them captive. So you don't have to destroy these people, but they are your enemies. These people now you're going to take captive. And see among the captives a beautiful woman. She's not an Israelite, but she is beautiful. And you have a desire for her, that you would have her to be your wife. Then you shall bring her home to your house, and she shall shave her head. In other words, she's going to cast off her identity as a Gentile. And she's going to be born anew as an Israelite. She shall shave her head and pare her nails. And she shall put the raiment of her captivity from off her. So take off that identity. And shall remain in your house and bewail her father and her mother a full month. And after that, you shall go in unto her and be her husband. And she shall be your wife. So clearly, from God himself, God has no issue with Israel marrying outside of Israel. There is no edict here that says, if you're an Israelite, you must marry an Israelite. There is an edict, however, that says there are seven nations that you must not marry. You must have nothing to do with them. You must go in and utterly destroy these seven nations. So let's not mix this up, brethren. Canaan was cursed. Ham was not. Egypt is a descendant of Ham, but not a descendant of Canaan. Ishmael is a descendant of, of Ham through Mizraim, Egypt, but not of Canaan. Look now at Numbers 12. Numbers 12 and verse 1. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. They criticized him. Why? Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. Ethiopia is Cush. This is not a descendant of Canaan. Canaan was cursed. Cush was not. So this is a woman of Ham, a Hamite woman. Moses married her. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of this. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, in the worldwide church, I was taught that undoubtedly, undoubtedly, Moses was punished for doing this. Well, now I'm reading my Bible for myself, and I don't see Moses being punished. In fact, I see the Bible saying Moses was faithful in all his house. So the Bible declares Moses completely faithful. Here, Miriam and Aaron are speaking against him. And rather than seeing Moses punished... What I see in verse 10 is the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. So God endorses Moses, and then in verse 10, the cloud departs from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. God is not a racist. God is not a racist. And God had no issue with Moses marrying the Ethiopian woman. She was not a Canaanite. There was no instruction not to marry Ethiopian woman. Miriam was the one who was punished, not Moses. So we need to be very, very careful, brethren. It's, it's so easy as human beings to become racist, especially in the face of threat. When we see somebody threatening us, killing us, 
it's easy to divert our attention to race. This has nothing to do with race. God has ordained them for judgment. He has ordained them for correction. Our nation will be corrected. But this is God's will. They're human beings. I could take that same doctrine and put it in any one of us, and we would behave the same way. Doctrine is like a software program. So I don't care what... You could be running a Mac computer, and I can install Windows on that Mac computer, and you know what? You now have a Windows computer. So I can install Islam in in the hardware of any one of us, and we'll behave just like we see Muslims behaving. The problem is not Muslims. The problem is the software, the doctrine, Islam. The scripture tells us that there's neither Jew nor Greek. And when you come to Ezra and Nehemiah, their issue with marrying of the foreign women was religion. The the people were losing their religion. That was the issue. Not racism. Not racism. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 2. Second Corinthians 2 and verse 8. The, the issue here was a gentleman who was put out of the church, asked to be delivered to Satan, and now Paul is telling the church to welcome him back. Verse 8. Therefore I beg you that you would confirm your love toward him. I want you to love this man. For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. So this was a man who was guilty of a very serious sin, who was put out of the church, and now Paul is telling the brethren he's repented. Bring him back. And I'm using this as a test to see if you are really a Christian. Because Christians love. Christians love. And it's easy for us to get into a a modus operandi where, oh, he's a sinner. And then we hate this man and we feel good about ourselves. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is love. And so he says here, I'm writing this that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. So this is the Christian way. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan is not very creative. He's had thousands of years, and he's still using the same devices. And one of these devices is an attitude of hatred, a disposition of of hatred towards somebody. This is not Christian. So we are going to be... The proof of our Christianity will be to look a Muslim in the face who is indoctrinated by Islam, and is terrified of Allah, and because of his terror of Allah, when we say Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that freaks him out, and he wants to kill us. And in the face of that evil, to show love. That's going to be the proof of our faith. 
Can we love those who hate us? Galatians 5. Actually, before we go there, let's go to Acts 7. Acts 7. Acts 7, speaking of the deacon, Stephen, verse 55, he being full of the Holy Spirit. This deacon didn't have the Holy Spirit. This deacon was full of the Holy Spirit. So we want to take note. How does someone behave when they're full? Not half full, not a little bit. When someone is full of the Holy Spirit, how do they behave? And he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. You try saying that in a country under Sharia law and see the reaction that you'll get. It won't be dissimilar to the reaction that Stephen got from the Jews. Why? Because it doesn't matter. It's the same programmer running the same program of hatred. In this case, he calls it Judaism. In our case, it's going to be called Islam. It doesn't matter. Hatred does not come from God. So he says, I see the Son of God. I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. How do they react? Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. There was a software program that was written hundreds of years earlier, thousands of years earlier, that was running in their head. And so when they heard Stephen say, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that was a trigger for the software program to carry out certain actions. And Islam is just another one of these software programs that runs in human beings. We have no problem with the human beings. We have every problem with the program. And they ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. So just because of what he said, they went into this mad frenzy and they stoned him. And witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, this is what a man does when he's full of the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down. So he's being stoned. He collapses. He's kneeling down. And he cried with a loud voice. So they cried with a loud voice. And now he cries with a loud voice. I wonder, is it the same software program that's causing them to cry, that's causing them to cry with a loud voice? Let's see. So they cried with a loud voice. He's crying with a loud voice. What does his software program say to do? And calling upon, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. That's what a man does who's full of the Holy Spirit. They hate us. They're killing us. We love them. It's not the human being. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
we we're wrestling against something that's invisible. We understand that there is a hierarchy of demonic spirits that is writing software and putting it in the minds of men. And these people are under remote control. Same thing, in, same thing you saw in Hollywood. All of those stars, they're all under remote control. They have been shattered. They have been processed. Believe me. And, and they, they are not who they were. You see that sweet little girl, Rihanna? She's been processed. And her mind, she's lost her mind. Uh, who's this one? Miley Cyrus? She's been processed. She's lost her mind. Now Satan runs her mind. The software program has been installed. And Islam is doing the same thing. When, when people are terrified, their conscious mind shuts down. And they can now be remote controlled. And if you read the Quran every day, you are terrified. And you're being remote controlled. We know, brethren, in Galatians 5, you're familiar with it. We won't go there. But you know the works of the flesh. And hatred and variance. These are works of the flesh. This is software programming. We can't allow it in us. We cannot allow it. It's easy. It's so easy. I'm a black man. It's easy for me to want to believe black people are superior and to look with suspicion at anybody who's another race. That doesn't come from God. It doesn't come from God. God made man, man. Not black man, not white man, not yellow man, man. Go to Matthew 5. What was the software that was running inside Stephen that was so different from the software that was running in the Jews? They cried out with a loud voice. He cried out with a loud voice. To them, it was all about murder and hatred. To him, it was all about love. Even though they want to hate him and murder him, he's crying out to God to forgive them. What, what coding did he have? I'll tell you one thing. He wasn't reading the Quran. I'll tell you that. That's, another, that's, a, that's a completely different set of programs and instructions. He was reading Matthew 5. He's a Christian. He was following Christ. What does Christ say? Matthew 5. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Lord Jesus, have mercy upon them, because they don't know what they're doing. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. But the text says, ours is the kingdom of heaven. Spot of trouble. Just a little spot of trouble. And then the kingdom for eternity. It's a good deal. Take it, brethren. It's a good deal. You know, uh, Kanye West, he has a rap song where he says, I made a deal with the devil. He said it was a crappy deal. But at least it came with some toys, just like the Happy Meal. 
those are real lyrics. They're, Satan hides in plain sight. So Kanye West, who's his wife? Kim Kardashian, is that his wife? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. These Illuminati, they tell you who to marry. So they put him and, and Kim Kardashian together and say, this will be your wife. And you can have wealth, but we dictate how you live your life. We dictate what we dictate all you. We own you. Who in their right mind would want to be married to Kim Kardashian? I mean, really. That's hell on earth. She has been processed by so many demons. And then you're going to tell her that that's your wife? This is a sick, sick thing. None of them are happy. All of them have been shattered. And when they're shattered, parts of their conscious mind shut down. And when parts of their conscious mind shut down, Satan can get in. You look up something called MKUltra programming, developed by the CIA. That's what these guys are doing. This is our programming. This programming was written thousands of years ago. And we come on the scene and we inherit it. So the chess game that's being played on Earth has been designed thousands of years ago. We just have to decide which side do we want to play on. We don't make up our own rules. We don't make up our own strategy. We just decide which software program do we want to run. And I'm suggesting we run this one. That we love everybody. We love everybody. Rejoice, verse 12. Sorry, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you. And shall say all manner of evil against you. It's coming, brethren. And the scripture says we're blessed. They'll say all manner of evil against us falsely for, for my sake, because we're Christian. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. I'll tell you this. Every religion lends itself to Satan. Every religion is begging Satan to take over. Why? Because fear shuts down the conscious mind. Whenever we're in fear, the amygdala takes over. The, the, the conscious mind goes offline, and the subconscious mind takes over. Because it's just all about survival now. And that's what the subconscious mind does. It keeps us alive. So anytime we're breathing, we're, we're reading fearful teachings, we run the risk of having our conscious mind shut down, go offline, and, and operate according to fear. That's what's happening to 1.8 billion Muslims on the planet. If they're reading the Quran, their conscious mind is shutting down. And the subconscious mind is taking over. And they're under remote control. Even in the church of God, this whole place of safety doctrine, it's how Satan shuts down the conscious mind. And you have otherwise decent Christians behaving like demons. Because the conscious mind has gone offline. And now they're under remote control by whoever that Christian teacher, Christian teacher is. So we're reading some frightful prophecies. You need to go away and read them in silence without a preacher preaching. Because the preacher can cause your conscious mind to go offline. And you're under remote control. You need to, in the quietness of your room, and in the sanctity of your relationship with Christ, you need to read these prophecies and face reality. But the reality is, don't be afraid. 
don't be afraid. Don't allow fear to take you over. Because the reality says this. Verse 12. When this happens, you, Christian, rejoice and be exceeding glad. This, this is the time. When we see this sword on the land, this is the time for us to rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You're the salt of the earth. But if you fall into hatred and racism, what can we do then? You're the salt of the earth. You have to operate like Stephen. While they're stoning us, we're loving them. Why? Because we have a different software program. We're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savour, wherewith shall the earth be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of man. So what this is saying is this. The persecution is coming. You have the software program called Christianity running. If you allow fear to take you over and you fall into attitudes of the devil, well, the persecution is still coming. You will still be trodden underfoot, but then you'll be thrown away. But if you allow yourself to remain salted and the persecution comes and you remain salted, then yours is the kingdom of heaven. We, we have to get through this little spot of trouble, brethren, without Satan's attitudes, not speaking Satan's language. It's easy to fall into it. We love Muslims. We want to save them from Islam. You know the scripture, brethren, in Ephesians, that we must put on the whole armor of God. Let's conclude in 1 Peter 4. Oh, sorry, I, I wanted to stay in Matthew 5. I, I, these are important. This is the scripture that Landon read. Matthew 5, dropping down to verse 43. This is important. In fact, why don't we end here? First Peter 4, actually, Brother Ray mentioned it in the opening prayer that uh, this is what we're called to. We're called to suffer. Christ suffered. We're called to suffer. The early disciples were honored that they would be persecuted for being Christians. We need to get that mentality back. It's okay. It's okay. It's ugly, but it's okay. It's okay. We, we, we'll get through this. And then we will sit in thrones and judge the world. And we will bring it all back to righteousness. This, this Nimrod strategy, it's thousands of years old, and it's being carried out right now. This worship of Baal, this sex worship of Baal, remember, Lucifer hates sex. That's why you can't talk about false religion without sexual perversity getting involved. Hollywood, is full of perverts. It's, it's full of uh, pedophiles. And you know what? So is Islam. So is Islam. So is Islam. Pedophilia in Muslim countries is out of control. Why? Same God. Same God that wants to destroy innocence. Same God that hates sex. If you get destroyed sexually at five years old, six years old, you're ruined. Your brain, conscious brain, gets shattered 
your subconscious takes over and you're easily programmed. You're easily controlled. So in Hollywood, we will use you to deceive and seduce the masses. In Islam, we'll use you to blow yourself up. Same thing. Same God, same devices. Matthew 5. Nothing new under the sun. A little spot of trouble and then eternal life. A little spot of trouble and then we are born into this family of love that will, that will spread love to the whole universe. Matthew 5, verse 43. You've heard that it has been said You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That sounds reasonable to me. Your enemy hates you, you hate your enemy. But make sure you love your neighbor. I know that's what was taught, and that's what the, the, he says, you've you've heard it's been said. It's not what was written, but it's what was said. It's what their religious teachers were teaching. But I say to you, love your enemies. This is the Christian software. This is the Christian doctrine. They hate you, you love them. You love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This is the Christian software. And this is the proof of our Christianity. Can we get through this spot of trouble running this strategy? Or are we going to default to a different language? A language of hatred? A language of self-preservation? Remember that the Apostle Paul spoke to the Hebrews and said that Christ has come to save those who through fear of death were constantly being oppressed by Satan. Self-preservation. That's the kind of operating system. So we have this operating system called self-preservation and then we have this doctrine that we install on top of it. Whether it's Islam, or I want to be rich and famous, or whatever the doctrine is, or even Christianity. But it's on top of an operating system that says me first. And if, if, if I'm threatened with death, then I'll, 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 I'll bend and do whatever I need to do to stay alive. We've got to get rid of not just, which, not just the software, the application. We've got to change the operating system. Take that out, put in a new one that says... I'm concerned for all of humanity. I love all of humanity. Mankind was made in God's image. I want to see all of mankind successful. With that operating system, now we install Christianity, and now we've got something. Now we can actually do something. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? that you may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. Notice, this is not Allah. Allah hates kafirs. Allah wants to terrorize kafirs. Yahweh is love. And we need to act like this so that we can be like Yahweh. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the publicans do the same? Aren't you just a natural man? Like, what's the big deal here? So so we go through all of this so that you can be like anybody else? Or if you're full of the Holy Spirit, will you be very different? Will you be like your Father in heaven? 
And if you salute your brethren only, and so we're learning to love one another as Christians, but if we only love one another as Christians, how are we better than anybody else? If you salute your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Don't even the publicans do the same? But you be perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. So, brethren, language is not words. The ancient language is attitude. And that's the language that Satan works through. He wants us to have a disposition of hatred, a disposition of lust, a disposition of self-preservation. And if he gets any of that, he's won. We have to fight that language and replace it with a disposition of humility, a disposition of regard for others, deep concern and love for others. I, I see very clearly, brethren, the threat that we're facing. It, is very, it won't happen tomorrow, but it will happen. It's very serious. But this is, our, this is our moment to shine. This is the moment that we get to be written in the book of Acts, in the, in the Hebrews 11 chapter. And people, this is our moment. We don't get this again. For, for thousands of years, we'll be talking about this moment and how we were faithful. So brethren, let's learn the language of love. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.